Chapter Nine of Vassar Studies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Vassar Studies by Julia Augusta Schwartz. Chapter Nine That Athletic Girl. One. That athletic girl puzzles me. In spite of the frivolous way in which she goes laughing through her freshman days, and she looks pretty well when she laughs, she impresses me as a naturally joyous temperament overshadowed by some impending calamity. In chapel, nestling up into a corner of the pew, she watches everything with deep solemn eyes. Often I notice her lingering with a hopeless face outside the algebra classroom. Something which happened today has strengthened my suspicions. As I was strolling around the gardens in the shadows of the evergreens, contemplating the new moon above the fading sunset glow, there was a sound of quick breathing, a soft swish of pine needles, and something in a kilted skirt and sweater darted to my side. Oh, panted a girl's voice, I am so glad to find you alone. Perhaps you did not understand how it happened, but when I tell you, it is hereditary. You will help me. I will try. I will work. No one must know. I beg your pardon. Oh, her face flashed around into mine and blazed with swift color. I thought you were somebody else. Two. I was leaning out of my window, trying to decide whether the Earth's satellite was two thirds or three quarters full, and meanwhile reflecting that in my freshman year I would rapturously have written in my diary a glorious moon sailing aloft in the dark blue sky is turning the little clouds to silver. At that time, also, I used to rave over the splendor of womanhood and this white, beautiful world. Now I occasionally allude to the college woman or mention the fact that it has been snowing. As I was beginning to blush at the recollection, I heard that athletic girl's gym shoes race up to my door. She burst in with such a waste of valuable energy that I felt like collapsing into the nearest chair to emphasize repose of manner. I fear that she has not yet learned to save superfluous vigor for examination week. "'I beg your pardon,' she cried, "'but have you anything good to eat? Jelly or olives or crackers? If I grow much hungrier, I shall become desperately blue.' There is a point. The very fact that she connects so early in her college career a physical state with a mental attitude argues an abnormal intelligence. I wonder if that hereditary blight— which she mentioned so inadvertently the first time we met, has anything to do with the brain. Certainly her choice of articles for consumption is a proof of mental obliquity. Jelly, olive, crackers. At the table she never takes rice pudding, and for breakfast she eats sugar with a little oatmeal under it. She has an engagement with some senior three times a week. Probably it is to make fudges. 3. That girl is positively shallow. I cannot see why everybody insists on liking her, unless it is because of her attitude toward life. The aim of the college course is to teach criticism of the world, others, and ourselves. She has not even begun the lesson. This afternoon she caught up to me in the corridor and flung her arm, boy fashion, over my shoulders. My shoulders, my senior shoulders and I believe in individuals walking like separate personalities, each surrounded with its own untouched atmosphere. A questioning smile concealed the wonder if she could feel the calcium hardening in my bones. She said, I am blue. The remedy is nature. Take me to see the sunset. As I stood somewhat apart from her on the hilltop, 
with a volume of browning open in my hands i saw that girl while the sun was setting in floods of gold above the blue hills i saw that girl take a chestnut out of her pocket and pensively eat it on the way home she said what did it make you think of i kept thinking all the time let x equal the number of sunsets from now until the first saturday in december and then i seemed to feel the formula one divided by infinity is zero struck by the poetry of her thought i endeavored to forget that chestnut yes she went on meditatively one equals me infinity equals the amount of study i must do zero equals the result of the examination i looked at her and then i wondered she continued if the ice-cream to-night would be chocolate or apricot the flight of time always reminds me of weekly ice-cream i cannot help hoping that that chestnut was wormy just a little wormy four that girl came rushing into my room like a like a person with a firm hold on life on physical life and dragged me out to skate you are morbid she exclaimed morbid you have been writing poetry haven't you now i see it in the way you look out of your eyes come exercise is the remedy for morbid blues there is something taking about that girl i do not know whether it is because she has not yet learned to mount neat cross-sections of her heart under a mental microscope or because she looks so well in her gym suit i watched her skate every movement instinct with life the red of her cap catching the tint of her cheeks her eyes reflecting the blue of the sky and sunny curls blowing curls are by no means intellectual i was pondering over that hereditary mystery she certainly has no physical defects when my ankles were tired i stood near the ashes of last night's bonfire and tried to imagine the history of each blackened brand i think of the green living tree this was once i began with birds singing in its branches and leaves dancing on its limbs and breezes whispering to it and now look make it a tense of momentary action she broke in come skate up the lake with me i am the cure for sentimental blues sentimental i sentimental i sentimental upon the whole i believe that that athletic girl is mentally defective five i have misjudged that girl when she refused to go to the asylum for the insane she calls it insane asylum so inaccurate in her use of words with the class in social science i decided that she was afraid of the deep problems of life she said that the institution smell of sud-soaked floors see warner's american charities made her blue and she was out of the remedy for that variety sweet violets she has never shown a scholarly attitude toward the broadening of her intellectual horizon i left her in a chaos of paper and pencils x's and y's addition subtraction multiplication and division she appears devoted to mathematics the asylum made me resolve to demonstrate to that girl the inexcusableness of blues at any other place one woman was pacing back and forth her hands clasped behind her her head dropped on her breast as i happened to pull out my handkerchief my tin spoon fell to the floor i had slipped it into my pocket that morning when i found that girl using it to scrape sugar out of a candy pan at the tinkle of its fall the woman stopped short then darted to the spoon and picked it up she glanced at it and then at me and her eyes looked as that girl's do when she is trying to calculate the purchasing power of her month's allowance finally the woman said give me the spoon it reminds me of home 
and I thought of the initials scratched on the spoon, and of all they meant to me. Then I looked at the long, sunless corridors, the dull eyes, the heavy faces, and, realizing the hopelessness of their lives there, I gave her the spoon. She smiled, and suddenly I understood. The same smile, only wrinkled, the same eyes, only shifting. That girl's hereditary blight. 6. That girl has not sufficient mental ability to manage the conduct of life without moral standards. When she read the first chapter of my senior ethics, old moral standards are demolished in that chapter, and new ones, only they are the same as the others, are constructed in the last. She straightway lost all regard for authority and order, even for the rising gong. That is what spoiled my trip to New York, that irresponsibility of hers. On that particular morning, the senior who had intended to go to the theatre with me was taken ill, with the kind of tonsillitis that breaks out, and I asked that athletic girl to go in her place. At the station she bought a local newspaper instead of studying character. She is so neglectful of the grand opportunities for self-culture. The through express had thundered to a vibrating pause, and we had found seats on the riverside of the car. We were comfortably settled, with no perceptible breeze ruffling our hair, and the curtain just high enough. That girl glanced at the paper, then darted out of the car, and dashed through the waiting-room. The train pulled out. I looked at the page she had scanned. In bold headlines I saw, Escape of Five Insane Patients. Instantly I comprehended everything. That insane woman! Escape! That athletic girl! The poor child! The thought of her troubled me all day. I had given her both our theatre tickets to carry. 7. I am never blue. Occasionally I realize that nothing is worth the trouble it costs. At times I dress in my most becoming clothes. It is a well-known fact that each individual is born into this world to cherish and watch over his own precious self. By making himself as sweet and agreeable as possible, therefore, he puts himself into better relations with life. At twilight I was walking in my best clothes. Today's newspaper contained an account of the capture of the escaped insane patients and a description of a key made by one of them out of a clock-wire and a tin spoon. As I plodded around the gardens, I saw that girl dancing a hornpipe on a pile of dry leaves. Darting up to me, she flung both arms around my best collar. Oh, she cried, I got through! I got through all right! I walked on, waiting for further developments. She skipped along at my side. Expression of emotion is essentially undignified. What if I had not happened to see the date on that paper Saturday? She rattled. I had forgotten. I reached the college just in time. In time for what? The second examination in entrance math. And I got through. I got through. No more tutor for me. My father never could do mathematics. It is an hereditary blight. But I got through. I got through, I tell you. Through, through, through. Here's to good old Vassar, for there's none that can surpass her. And good-bye, good-bye, good-bye to entrance math. She disappeared in a whirl of twinkling feet and breezy hair. Well, I have always suspected the existence of a mental deficiency. End of chapter 9